Hello, everybody. Welcome to Limited Run. My name is Richard. With me is Johnny. We are super happy to be here today. And Greg. Take two. Let's roll. <laughs> we had a minor technical issue uh, uh, that you. had to do with Canadian internet. You had a minor technical issue. <laughs> the Canadian yeah. and I were perfectly fine. Oh, man. Uh, so if you're listening to this, I'm going to be honest. There's like five minutes of random podcast that may or may not sound like shit. We, we don't know. That's probably going to be tagged to the end of this because it was honestly gold. Uh, so be, just yeah. W- w- when I say bye, just keep listening because there's there's five minutes. It's actually really enjoyable. <laughs> it's the best five minutes we've had since we started the new podcast. It honestly, and we had to cut is. it. It hurt me so much. <laughs> <clears throat> oh boy. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> this week we hit our second of our limited run of holiday movies that aren't holiday movies. Last week was Die Hard. This week, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a movie from the mid-2000s. I want to say 2007? 2005. 2005. Oh, okay. Best year in human history. Uh, it is directed by Shane Black. Written by Shane Black. Starring... Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, Michelle Monaghan, and Corbin Burnson. Uh, it was distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures, uh, had a budget of $15 million, and a box office of $15 million. Which I believe, aside from when Johnny had us watch a Finnish movie, uh, would be our lowest box office of any of the movies on here. Uh, so a little bit of background on this. Uh, I mentioned it came out in 2005. Why is that significant? Because largely this is seen as the movie that helped put Robert Downey Jr. back on the map. This was the Iron Man springboard. Yes. Uh, he did the singing detective in 2003, which, uh, I think even fewer people saw than this. I didn't even know that. Uh, But then he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in 2005. And that was when he was able to get insured again for movies, basically. And that was his his launching point to being seen as a serious actor again. Uh, People who may not remember, uh, Mr. Downey had some issues in the late 90s and early 2000s. Thousands. Um, it did not go well. Uh, so to have him uh, basically re-enter the spotlight uh, and have an opportunity to work again, it was a pretty big deal. Uh, and without this movie, uh, as Johnny said, we probably aren't getting Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. And God knows how that could have gone. Oof. Yeah. Who side sidebar? Who were they going to pick other than him for Iron Man? For Iron Man? Yeah. Tom Cruise. Ooh, my goodness. I I don't think that it, if I'm being honest, I don't think Tom Cruise does it in 2008. 
Yeah, he's, I think he's too big of a star at that point, right? Yeah, well, and you have to remember, um, you have to remember where Marvel movies were in 2008. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is this is the time frame of the Daredevils and the Ghost Riders and, uh, you know, these million other incredibly bad movies with a massive amount of overacting in them. Yeah. You know, if, if you sent him a copy of Daredevil and you're like, we're looking to do something in the tone of this... <laughs> He's just gonna be like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Thanks." He's like, "He's like, you know, I stopped doing drugs, right?" <laughs> you can imagine oh. Tom Cruise on drugs then. Holy moly! Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Johnny's mixing up our, our <coughs> here. Uh, but yeah. So if 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 you look at it, uh, it is a big moment in his filmography. Because uh, he was the lead again, he was you know uh, this was this was a big time movie for him. Uh, the next year is when he's going to do the Scanner Darkly, and the next year after that is Zodiac, and then immediately following that is Iron Man. So that's a hell of a career arc coming out of some challenging times. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean. If, seriously like you look at it and you can see that the dude was on the pace to become a star and then he just fell off yeah you know to the point where he was playing like third and fourth fiddle in u.s marshals no so it's yeah it's it's pretty big deal um now, that being said, this is probably the last great role for Val Kilmer. Yeah. Uh, and that's not saying anything negative about anything he made after this, because he did make a lot of stuff after this. Um, but this is this is his last, like, truly big, great role. Um at least on screen, I know he was he was running around doing some one man shows for a while there. Yeah. Um. And in in my opinion, Val Kilmer was fantastic in this. So well, yeah, after this was, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. After this one, like, was his choices for movies bad or? Like, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he seems to have gone on the uh, Nicolas Cage run following this movie. Oh, okay. Like, seriously, it's, again, it's another one of those really weird filmographies where you look at it and it's like, um, he did Wonderland in 2003, which was the John Holmes biopic. Um, he did Spartan in 2004, and he did Alexander in 2004, and then he did this in 2005. And then as soon as you leave this, it's like he did five movies I've never heard of in 2006. He did Ooh. six movies I've never heard of in 2008. Oh, no, it's not true. I have heard of one of the movies. He cameoed as himself in The Love Guru. Oh. <laughs> uh, he did seven movies in 2009. I have heard of literally one of them. <coughs> were they artistic and movies or were they just a movie to be I mean, a movie? Brother, if I've never heard of it, I couldn't tell you. I was assuming at that point, then. 
Maybe. But three of them, four of them, five, Jesus Christ, four of the six movies that he did in 2009 were direct-to-video. Wow. That explains it. Yeah, it's it's weird. And then, of course, you know, following all that is when he got throat cancer. You know, it's interesting because in his documentary, like, they don't really touch on any of those other films. They just go right into the um, Mark Twain work that he was doing, his one-man performance. Like, they don't mention any of that stuff. Yeah, he did um, Citizen Twain for several years. Actually, one of my one of my regrets is that I didn't go see him do that because uh, yeah. I was in cities that he did that in multiple times, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm fine." Which let that be a but, lesson to everybody: if you have an opportunity for something unique and cool like that, just go do it. Yeah, because you never you there's no guarantees anywhere. But I did have the opportunity to meet him at a uh, Comic-Con in, uh, a couple years ago, and he was very nice. <clears throat> he seems uh, like he anyway. would just be, like, super just, like, appreciative of anybody, like, taking the time to come meet him at one of those. He was. Uh, Julie drew a small picture of Batman that she gave to him while we were sitting in line. Yeah. And he was so happy. <laughs> that's awesome Gregory yes sir what worked in this movie uh a few a few things worked for me which kind of surprised me um I think the casting was really good I liked the Val Kilmer just ate that screen up I loved watching yeah. him in the, this movie he is <laughs> um just a few scenes when he pushed Tom away from the, or pushed Robert Downey Jr. away from the car so he could drive off, loved it. Oh yeah, I just it just it just it was just caught me off, it caught me off guard because they were having a moment at that point and then it was like Oop, get out of the way. I I love that. Um, the pacing of the movie was fine, uh, and I really enjoyed the lead actress, Michelle Monaghan. Michelle Monaghan. They. I, what other big movies was she in? She was in multiple of the Mission Impossible movies oh. as Tom Cruise's wife. Okay, that's that explains it. It's like I knew I knew her from somewhere. I just can't remember where, and I'm god awful. She was also names. Ellie in Constantine. Oh, she was Kim in The Born Supremacy. That's probably where I I remember her from. But I remember her from uh, Mission Impossible. But it was just one of those things. I knew the person. I just like gosh, where I can't, But I'm god awful with names. So, there was the, there was the probably the biggest things. Um, I'll go over my dislikes after once you guys go over. So, Jonathan, um, honestly, I'm gonna have to just agree with Greg and just <clears throat> a lot of the like the writing, because I mean, you got a guy like Shane Black who, with the way he wrote everything for Kilmer, I don't think the delivery is the same without those two the way that it worked yeah because i mean there was genuine laugh out loud moments when like mostly he'd be talking to downey like the moment where he kept after he threw the gun in the lake 
<laughs> yeah. And he's like, you know what you see if you look up the definition of idiot in the dictionary? He's like, picture of me? No, the definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's it's little stuff like that. Um, just sprinkle throughout. Like that. Everything. Uh, by the way, uh, just to give a, a quick information on Shane Black. Shane Black is the writer of Lethal Weapon. The Monster Squad, The Last Boy Scout, The Last Action Hero, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Iron Man 3, the 2016 movie The Nice Guys, and The Predator. The Nice Guys was a was a funny movie. Yes. Yeah. That one caught me off guard, how funny that it was. That one is probably the most similar to this of yeah. all the films you just listed. Yeah. Now, just to make sure I'm not completely off base, that's Ryan Gosling and yes, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe. Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Yeah, that shit was funny. It was kind of um, like a perfected version of this movie, almost. Because it was, uh, yeah, I can say I can see that. Yeah. The the other side note we worked... we haven't explained the premise of this movie for the few people who haven't watched it. Oh god, oh. I don't even think I have the mental capacity. I know you've seen this a million times, Richard. So I'm just going to let you take the handle on this one. <laughs> yep, because I'm like, uh, you don't want me explaining. So this basically, uh, Robert Downey Jr. plays a criminal who breaks into somewhere, and his partner gets shot as they're running from the cops. Um, he accidentally, in his attempt to hide runs into a audition for a movie and he's playing a criminal. So he reads a script and he does a really good job because he's acting like himself. Um, and they send him out to LA, uh, to tail a detective known as gay Perry. Um, and basically he ends up embroiled in a murder mystery. And that's the basics of the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Johnny. I interrupted you there to say that. I don't know, man. I'm not caffeinated. I forget what the wavelength I was working on with that one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Um, a method actor, Richard. If I get cut off, it's like, nope, whole new existence now. This is a different (laughs) character than it was, just as I was saying it. It's like a reset. Yeah, exactly. Man. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I, I do think that the casting really worked well for it. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Harry and Val Kilmer as Gay Perry really, really worked. Um, admittedly, uh, there were some things said about the gay character that did not work in the year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> Um, but you kind of have to take the good with the bad in this case. Yeah. It's nearly a 20 year old um, movie. So can I expect yeah. that now? Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's like they, they really do a really good job of, of casting all the way down to like, you know, Corbin Burnson as Harlan Dexter, uh, Larry Miller, who's definitely someone who you may not know the name of, but you see him and you're like, oh, I know who that guy is. Uh, as Dabney. Um, 
Ariel Winter was the seven-year-old version of Harmony. Uh, Ariel Winter for Modern Family. Hmm. Um, Shannon Sossaman, uh, who was a massive star in the early 2000s, played the pink-haired girl. Uh, you may remember her from A Knight's Tale or 40 Days and 40 Nights or The Order. Mm-hmm. She was also in, hang on, I know this. Oh, The Holiday. It was Jack Black's girlfriend that cheated on was him. Was she really? I I am like 95% certain that was her. Uh, you are correct. In 2006, she was in The Holiday. One year after this. Fantastic. Um, just to go back quickly. You yeah. know what else will really work for me? What? Near the end of the film. The final shot of Downey shooting the big bad. Yeah. When he shot him, how he spun around. All I could think of is Enough with the Ole shit, Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to be the only person that laughed at that moment in with that exact context. Because he was Roger Dorn in Major League as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, anyway, that's it. That's it. That's my favorite thing from that is when he refers to Downey as, quote unquote, Captain fucking Magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's such a great goddamn line from someone who's dying on screen. As Downey's holding on to the arm of a dead woman, hanging out of a casket, lodged on a highway sign off of an overpass. Yep. Be prepared to suspend I, disbelief for this film. <laughs> I feel like that right there is where Greg lost was lost in the movie. He's like, nope, this movie lost me. No, because like, he turned end. into he just turned into John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> He's hitting headshots and stuff, hanging off the side of a bridge. Got it. Makes sense. After like not ever wanting to shoot anybody. Oh, not to mention that he knocked the gun up, caught it midair, and shot the guy. Okay, let's see him do that again. Good hands, he's a magician. <laughs> he is. And a criminal. Does it, does it make you a gunslinger? Jesus. You never know. Adrenaline does crazy things to people, Greg. Yeah, he would have fell. You know the hand was slippery <laughs> as hell. I mean, maybe, but also, maybe not. Rigor mortis had set in, probably. It wouldn't have flopped She's around, then. It's a flop. I'm just, I'm just saying, that's the first thing that pops in my head with it. It would have popped out of the casket. And then they framed it popping out of the casket so you know somebody was going to use it later on. Well, yeah, it's Chekhov's gun. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, what didn't work? I was going to say, this is the most beautiful segue of all time because Greg... What didn't work for you? <laughs> uh, the first 20 minutes of the movie. I just, I, the narrating and then switching and keeps like, no, just stop. I'm trying to be, that maybe that was where Tarantino got it from, but no. Why just, did you have to, why, why, why you got to ruin a perfectly good movie by mentioning that overactor? You did the first 20 minutes of the movie and you're like, well, what the hell are they doing here? Like, you're trying to make it artistic, I understand. But then you, you're you having the narrator 
change what he's saying, you know, by, by perspective. I understand, but it is, nah, nah, I'm good with that. I almost didn't watch it because of that. So, I spent most of this week watching the first 18 minutes of this film and then having to restart. <laughs> yeah. So when you say that the worst part of this movie was the first 20 minutes, Greg, I saw it six times. Yeah, you agree. Got it. I understand. Nope, that's nope. Didn't say that. Uh, well, that's what you just said. <laughs> However, the sixth time I didn't restart. I just went back to the eighteen minute mark and started the film from there. I really enjoyed this movie. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't like the movie. I just said the first twenty minutes didn't work. Yeah. I'll I'll give up the you know the casket and the hand and being John Wick. That first twenty minutes, I'm like, bro, come on, stop. I will I will meet you on that level. Once we're done discussing this film, as I have a quick Christmas review to provide at the end of the show. All right. Um, Greg, is there anything else that didn't work for you, buddy? No. Once they settled down and started showing or you know doing the movie, it was fine. First twenty minutes, bro. You got to pull me in, not push me away. Were you pulled in by Native American uh, Joe Pesci? Yeah, that was actually the funny part. I was like, all right, I'll stay. (laughs) Appropriation? I'm in. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, Johnny, what didn't work for you, buddy? Um, You know, I had a couple things. I want to say it was there were a few moments where I don't know what it is about Michelle Monaghan, but, like, I don't particularly care for her as an actor. (gasps) I know. I just, it's, I frequently, this is going to be the most preposterous thing I've ever said, so Richard's already like, oh, God, I'm going to have to edit this. Um, I frequently get her mixed up and confused with the woman from Bad Santa, Lauren Graham? Yeah. Because I don't like either one of them. <gasps> yeah. Someone has bad opinions. Well, you don't have to shame Greg for everybody else to hear. Come on now. What did he do to you? Nothing. Lauren Just Graham been a supportive, is loving friend for decades. Bad Santa. <laughs> I like the movie. Fantastic. I just don't particularly care for those two as actors. That's all. Uh, you know, if I'm being completely honest, uh, Lauren Graham has done very little um, that I've actually seen uh, outside of Bad Santa. So it's hard for me to be like, how could you say that? But I'm like, okay, what have I seen her in that I liked? Well, there was Bad Santa. <laughs> she was in The Pacifier, which I remember seeing once. And she was in Evan Almighty. Not even the good version of those films. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about Lauren Graham other than to say that I loved her in Bad Santa. Bad Santa is a great film. I just, for some reason, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's the, I don't know. I can't give you like a technical outlining of what it is that they 
do with their craft that bothers me. I just don't particularly care for either one of them. So that is probably my lone grievance with this, other than the fact that it took me six days to watch a movie. Yeah, that's life. That's, that's listen, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, honestly, I, I sat there watching this and I tried to watch it with a critical eye because I, I, you know, as soon as you said you wanted to do this movie, I was like, I freaking love this movie. <laughs> um, so I was trying to find something that I, I wish they had done differently or whatever. Um, I think that my only real complaint is I wish they had beefed up the Corbin Burns in part by like five minutes of screen time. Yeah, I feel like he was not super involved in any of this. It's, well, I mean, I and I, I like the movie. I like mm-hmm. his part in it. I like Corbin Burnson as a person in these things. Um, but it did. Like, it needed, like, five more minutes of screen time doing something yeah. to give it that, that feeling that it was just missing. Um, and and it's, it's hard to put my finger on what exactly it was. I think it was just the fact that, I mean, we've already said it, he was the big bad of the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you added all of his screen time up together, including his death scene, it's probably like eight minutes. Mm. Sorry, just to backtrack. I remember why I don't particularly care for Michelle Monaghan. It was from Heartbreak Kid. I just went back through her like casting credits. Heartbreak Kid with uh, Ben Stiller. I never saw that one. Uh, okay. Well, don't. Let me say Oh, you know, I, I might have, because I saw all the Ben Stiller stuff at one point. Yeah. But I don't remember anything about it. Anyways, that's... Sorry, keep going. My bad. Uh, yeah. So that's that's really... That is my only, like, complaint. Okay. So, based on the information that we, the three of us, have all provided... Um, do you also think that there's anything people need to watch before seeing this? <sighs> need to? No. Are there similar films that they should watch? I mean, obviously, Lethal Weapon and The Nice Guys are both similar films in one mm-hmm. way or another. I mean, Lethal Weapon is a lot more hardcore than this. You don't have Robert Downey Jr. getting you know, strapped up and uh, water electric tortured for 10 minutes in the middle of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does lose a finger halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, if, if, if you're watching this movie, I think you could pair it nicely with Lethal Weapon and the Nice Guys and be very happy. Right. Um, if you are wanting to do a Robert Downey Jr. night... Uh, pairing this up with Tropic Thunder, I think, is a really nice uh, piece. Okay. I can see that. I mean, tra- <laughs> we're talking about things where it's like, hey, maybe the, you know, let's not PC boys police probably wouldn't also recommend Tropic Thunder to anybody in the next little while. 
but I mean, the thing is, like, if, if you're talking about the the whole uh, blackface thing with Robert Downey Jr., it is being played as a joke. Like, I'm he's thinking not about the comments Robert... about Sean Penn and his roles and how you never go for Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, mm, I think we're just going <laughs> to... I, think I mean, uh... you might have some valid points. <laughs> I feel a little bit like Chris Evans at the end of uh, Endgame. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> How about you, Gregory? Mm, that's a tough one. Yeah. So, I, I actually, I was, I was actually thinking about something before when you said, as soon as you said "nice guys," it reminded me what my thought was before we were talking about this this section uh, about how things were like why I say the first twenty minutes of the movie is bad because if you watch the first twenty minutes of the nice guys, that's a clean way of having that same type of effect in a movie. That's what I was trying to. That's what was in my brain. That's why I lost my train. Lost my train of thought because I was thinking about that. Like, if you watch the first 20 minutes of that movie, it's chaotic, yes, but it's in a way that you can understand the flow of the movie. Where the other, where with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's kind of, he keeps jumping around like a Tarantino movie. That's why I said that. Mm -hmm. Right. But that's that's what I was that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's like, what is it? What makes it so different? And that's why I said it was like a polished version of that movie. Okay. Um... I can't blame you for that overall assessment. I mean, I don't, I, I don't agree. The first twenty minutes are bad, but I, I do see where you're coming from. Oh, I didn't say the I first twenty understand. minutes were bad. I just said I didn't like the first twenty minutes. Because of the way it was shot, type of thing. Like, it, if that was cleaned up a bit, where it didn't jump around as much, I think it would have been a better movie. You know, it's like, hey, you know, if you overcook a steak a little bit, doesn't make it a bad steak, it just makes it overcooked. Right. Right? So the same same idea, not... Like the first twenty minutes, if they lopped it off and then played the rest of the movie, it'd been fine. No, no, the first the first twenty minutes set up the rest of the movie. I just think wish it was done better. That was it. Right. Um, I'm gonna kind of go a little bit off the beaten path as far as like things I think you should watch if you're looking for something in the same vein. Um, I'm gonna say in Bruges a little bit. Okay. I don't know what that uh, one is. Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrow, right? Yeah. And this and it's only three years removed from this film, so like I think you were starting to see some of the impact of a film like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang start to maybe impact other people or inspire other people to make films kind of not exactly the same, but I think you could probably feel a little bit of the uh, a similar pathos with that film as you do with this one here. Um, but yeah, that's, that'll be mine. That's what I'm going to offer up. Speaking of, if we're going to talk about 
kind of similar movies and we're heading across the pond um i think you could, i think you could drop lockstock into this similar vein yeah okay i i i think you could watch lockstock and kiss kiss bang bang back to back and have a really nice double feature all right i dig it yeah that that one works too okay um okay so the final question is this movie required viewing i'll i'll jump in um i enjoy this i don't know that it would be a thing are we required viewing in the vein of like christmas films that aren't christmas films is that the perspective i'm expected to take or is this aside from that is this required viewing just as a film on its do own you merit? think that it's a good movie and people who like movies should watch this movie yes like I'm not saying it's required viewing for my wife who would sit down, watch 20 minutes like Greg, and then she would get up and be like, yeah, this is fine. Tell me when you want to watch Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'd recommend this to anybody that hasn't seen it. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I I think I would have to kind of know the person a little bit more before I recommend this movie. Because it's it's kind of an acquired taste almost. I would say that if you are, I mean, if if you're a fan of movies in general, or if you're a fan of specifically action movies, that yes, this should be probably required viewing. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much what we got for this week. Uh, oh, next week we will be returning with our final movie of the holiday movies that aren't holiday movies. What will it be? Who knows? Johnny submitted that he wanted to do the Santa Claus. What? When? What? <laughs> it's your pick, Richard, isn't it? I know. I, I was just making a joke about Johnny. I was like, Not Jesus a... Christ, am I like late 90s Robert Downey and I'm just so high I forgot doing this? <laughs> yeah, you took three edibles and then texted me. <laughs> I mean, that may have happened at some point in the past, and I am not going to apologize for any of it. <laughs> Thankfully, it only stores those for 24 hours, so it's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's why Johnny uses Snapchat almost exclusively as his way of communicating with me. So no, when I'm like, it's... no, Johnny, you <laughs> said you wanted to do the Santa Claus. He's like, prove it. You got no proof. <laughs> <laughs> No, in all seriousness, um, I don't know what our movie is going to be for next week. It is my pick. Um, unfortunately, two of my three main picks uh, are already gone. <laughs> yep. Uh, currently leaning towards Gremlins. Oh, Jesus okay. Christ. Oh, no. But we'll see. I'm, I'm not married to Gremlins. Okay. Uh, well, if that's the culmination... Greg. Yeah. You have Amazon Prime, right? Mm-hmm. You saw Eddie Murphy has a Christmas movie? Oh, yeah. Which one's that? Well, no, I didn't see. It's called Candy Cane Lane. Oh, Lord. Hang okay. on. 
the first 50% of this movie, not good. <laughs> also, but you know what? Like, uh, the back half kind of made me think I might watch it again next year. Nice. I'm down to watch that. I was, you, you, sold, you said Eddie Murphy. I was thinking Beverly Hills Cop sequel. That is also coming up very shortly. Is that a Christmas movie? Because I'll watch that. <laughs> I think the diehard crowd would be pretty upset. Yeah, I know. Wait a minute. Hold on. Are any of the Beverly Hills Cop movies Christmas movies? I don't know, but I... <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so no. either, because I don't remember anything related to Christmas on it. Um, Ooh, Coming to America. I love that. I love that movie. It's during Christmas. Well, hold on. It's snowing. It doesn't... I don't remember if there's anything related to Christmas. Trading Places. <laughs> Trading Places is. I think Coming to America could kind of be considered, I think. Okay, I'm going to be honest. It's going to be either Trading Places or Coming to America. Trading um, Places. Oh, yeah. I'm fine with either one of those. Yeah. yeah, okay. So our last movie is going to be Trading Places next week. I haven't watched that movie in a while. We have convinced Same. Greg to watch a bunch of older movies on this run which is like the most limited of limited runs that I think we could possibly achieve. Right. I was just thinking that, like, how are you guys going to be watching these old movies? And and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch those. Well, I, well, I I love Eddie Murphy, so I love it coming to America. I've actually watched that recently in, like, the last three months. All right. So. We'll do Trading Places. I think that's a good way to kind of wrap things up a little bit. And uh, shit, after that, boys. We're it's a week from Christmas. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, this won't release until next week. So, and then uh, we will release. Actually, I guess we'll. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to put forth an effort to get out this uh, Trading Places episode before Christmas. <laughs> that means we have to record it. Yeah, it means we're gonna have to record it on Thursday night. Okay. Fine. So we'll we will uh we will get trading places out before Christmas. Yep. Maybe we'll release uh, at Christmas and... Eve so you all have something to listen to while you're drinking your eggnog and making sure the house is prepped for Santa to visit your children. Yes. Anyway, that is what we have for you this week. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening, and if you wanted to get a hold of us on social media, you can get a hold of Johnny at uh, at limited run show on Twitter. I'm still trying to remember things. You can get a hold of Greg at Bo Gregory. Then you get a hold of me at Richard Versus. Uh, yeah. Have a good week, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the limited run. My name is Richard. With me is Johnny. We are here. Craig. <laughs> I'm here barely. Greg's crushing beers. It's 8.30. I would love for that right now, but I don't drink. <laughs> that's that a, is a that, that, winter a edition Bull. Red Bull. Nope. It's a summer one. Oh. The winter one's pretty good, man. Oh, the pear, pear cinnamon one? Yeah. I don't know how you guys drink that. The, Dude, the same. last year they did an apple fig. It was so goddamn good. <laughs> it tasted like Christmas. Yeah, it's all. But if we could get <laughs> the only one I can drink is Red Bull. It's only one. Yeah, I can't do anything else.
It's coffee or a Red Bull. That's it. How can we get them to sponsor us? I would like well, this very much. Richard and I have an in. Drink <laughs> uh, more Red Bull and then answer. <laughs> yeah, it's going to take me a minute to explain without saying names. Adam's, you know, Leslie's best friend's yeah. husband, Ben. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Do the damn thing. Maybe they'll do it and take pity on us and give us money. <laughs> he's he's already or just he gave me a red pay for fridge. our tech. Yeah. What? They gave me a Red Bull fridge. Listen, if any one of those is nice. kicking around and they need a location for it, please. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny's just like, I've never known I've wanted something so much in my life. Oh, yeah. no. I almost got a Miller Lite one, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that w- yeah, Red Bull fridge is acceptable. Miller Lite. Mm. Okay, first of all, we're not going to slander Miller Lite on this podcast. I don't like any beer. You could said any I mean, beer. I told you the oh, same that's thing. Fair. Yeah, I say I gotta be honest. The only beer that I would be like, oh, if you said you got a fridge from, would be Wine and Kugel. I was about to roll my eyes because I thought 100 percent you were just going to be a mark for your own city. <laughs> no, I mean we have Sam Adams and Brian Geist and all that here. I guess that's fine, but um, I don't know what bre- I don't know what beer would be cool. I don't. Even, I'm not gonna lie. First, so this was a Christmas came to podcast that's not a Christmas podcast. Well, people drink at <laughs> yep. Christmas. It's fine. And this is the uh, this is our second in our holiday movies that aren't holiday movies limited run. And this week we are doing Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, as suggested by Mr. Potts. You're nothing if not consistent, Richard. What? You said this is only the second film in our Christmas films and aren't Christmas films run. That's valid. The slander... Yep. They just, this, it's. That's not slander, it's a fact. <sighs> Rare Exports was a Christmas horror film. Uh, you're not going to win that one. That... Agree to disagree. It has uh, Santa uh, Claus in it, or first, whatever it is. First of all, the people who watch the film are talking. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's like, I know Santa's in it. That's all I need. Right. I was like, oh, Johnny doesn't understand English. Got it. And then stop watching the movie. What's oh, the, point the irony of, of telling a Canadian that I don't understand English when I'm living in the U.S. is hysterical. I know. Okay, that's let, the best let, part. Let, let's be honest here. Uh, people that live in the U.S. don't necessarily understand English. They And they even if they speak it. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. It's still called American, which is not a language. <laughs> we look at pictures, all right? Leave us alone. <laughs> My pop-up books count, damn it. The scratch and sniff books. You know, it smells funny now, but it's okay. <sighs> Johnny's got a big collection of those ones with the little uh, electronic piece on the side where you press the button when it shows a picture of the cow. and then it yeah. <laughs> I mean, we actually have a giant collection of those right now, yes. He was like, yeah, I've been buying these for Parker. Why does this say 1998 on it? I don't know, but I've been buying them for Parker. Canadian education system, what can I say? (laughs) As long as you can Uh, hockey good, nobody cares. (laughs) In America, it's as long as you can football good. 
<laughs> Canada's as long as you can hide. We're no different. We just apologize for the fact that we're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, yes, this week we did get into Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which... Um, hey, guys. What? Yeah. I really hate to say this. I gotta stop for a second and restart because this is picking up the wrong fucking microphone. Jesus Christ, Richard. We're only five minutes in. At least we're only five minutes in. But that was also good. <sighs> I'm gonna put it at the end of the podcast. Okay. Richard's sounding like a it. okay. Richard's sounding like a tune, you know, can of tuna or some shit. Yeah, I, I'm gonna put that at the end of the podcast because it was that was a fucking great opening. Uh, okay, so. <sighs> okay, that's what I was gonna. 